The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yes. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for this time together. Thank you for your word. May you show up this morning, Lord. We're asking you to show up big, minister to people. We're asking you, Lord. May we leave here different than we came because of the mighty power of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You guys looking good this morning? You know, when you walk in the church, you are all, uh, immediately hit when you just look at the wall with the vision of this church. And you know what it is? Help people know God, right? We're New Song Church. Pastor Josh got that revelation. He was driving from Tulsa to Dallas, and the Lord spoke to him about the name and, the, and what the church is called to do. And what that means, help people know God. We just, like as the ministry of the church or the, you know, the pastoral staff, we, it's not like we got this special link to God. I mean, we're called, but God wants to know everybody. And our whole goal is to help people know God so you can walk with God. So you can live daily with God. Not just come to church and be God on Sunday, but do it on Monday morning when you really need God, right? So that's our vision, to help people know God. And we have a lot of sub-ministries that help carry out that vision. For instance, we have like a special men's ministry that deals with men's issues. We have women's ministry dealing with women. Uh, we have home groups. I encourage you, if you're not in a group, get in a group because groups will help you connect with people. Uh, help you ask questions, answer questions, be a part of the body of Christ, find your place, find your giftings. Groups are a big deal. We have outreach, which we just talked about, Heart, Heart for the House, that's coming up. Uh, isn't that awesome that we're going to provide tuition for all those kids? Uh, we, but that's part of helping people know God. You know, we're a big-time worshiping church. We are a presence-driven church. Wasn't the worship good this morning? They did a great job. Give a hand to our worship team. It's awesome. Uh, so this morning, here's my job. I want to zero in on one of the most important components of ministry in our church. And sometimes this ministry is kind of overlooked. I want to talk about ministry to kids, how important ministry to kids is. And now you may think, oh, man, well, this doesn't apply to me, Pastor Ken. I don't have kids. You know, I don't like kids. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes people think, I, I don't know if, how much you know about me, but I've been in the ministry a long time. But I was a part of a, a great children's ministry with Willie George was here a couple of months ago. And uh, he was a character on TV called Gospel Bill. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand up. Okay. Uh, and, and I was on that show. I was his sidekick, Nicodemus. And uh, we did like 200 episodes of that show. It went all around the world. And we taught the Word of God to kids in a way that they could get it with our characters, and it was a real cool thing. I got to use my giftings, develop a lot of things, but I've had people tell me, they said things like, you know, you just have an anointing for kids, and I just don't have that, because, you know, I, kids get on my nerves. And I think they think that when I see kids, I just get this warm, fuzzy feeling, <laughs> and I do love kids, I really do, but, you know, it's, and I did have an anointing to teach them, but it's not that I just, you know, think about kids all the time and have this thing, because uh, they can get on my nerves just like yours. <laughs> I just see that how important it is that the entire church has an understanding about how important it is to pass our faith to the next generation. I didn't say this first service, but let me, 
Let me give you a Jewish proverb. This is not in the Bible, but it's so good it ought to be. But the Jews say this. If we do not, talking about the, the Jewish people, if we do not indelibly imprint the Word of God deep within the bones of our children, we are one generation away from extinction. Did you get how powerful that was? Can I say it again? If we do not, it's on to us, indelibly imprint the Word of God deep within the bones of our children, we're one generation away from extinction. This is trying to happen in America today. That's why it is so important that we understand and have a revelation, if you will, about how important our kids' ministry is. Because in my estimation, I've done this a long time, children are the most marginalized people group in the world today. And in the church, too. What I'm talking about sometimes is so underestimated, so underlooked, and no matter how strong our church may be today, if we don't commit to getting the word to the next generation and pass this faith to our children, we will eventually die out. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was preaching in a good church, famous church. If I mentioned it, probably a lot of you would know it. Church of a couple of thousand adults. And before I, I, I went out to preach, I was walking around, and I do this a lot when I travel, which I travel a lot. Not so much this year, <laughs> but in the past. Uh, but I walk around and I look in the classrooms because I want to see what they're doing for kids. And 2,000 adults coming to this church. I looked in the nursery. There was one baby. One baby. And I thought, this church is dying. Because the people in the auditorium, they get it. But they're getting older and they're not passing it down. We got to pass it down to the next generation. So here's my title today. What New Song Church wants everybody to know about kids' ministry. This is for everybody. You ready? Are you tracking with me? So point number one, the church began with a statement of vision for kids. This is how the church began. Now go to Acts 2 in your Bible. The, uh, it'll come on the screen if you don't go there. Let me give you a little backstory. This is the birth of the church in the book of Acts, right? Jesus has gone to heaven, but his last words to his disciples, who he has handed off his ministry. You know, Jesus only was here for three years. I mean, New Song Church is five years old. Just think about that. That's not very long, right? Because we're still like a baby church in so many ways. But Jesus, he's about to ascend into heaven. They're going to watch him go through the clouds. And uh, he says, I want you to take this message, I'm paraphrasing here, to the entire world that I am God. I died for their sin. I rose from the dead, defeated death for them. They can be born again. But he said, don't do it yet. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. What was the promise? That you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He hadn't come upon them. They had been born again, but they had not been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You tracking with me? So there's 120 disciples, and they're praying. They go to this place called the Upper Room in Jerusalem, and they're waiting. And they're waiting for the promise of the Father to come. And it's 9 o'clock one morning on the day of Pentecost, which was a, one of the seven Jewish feasts. And they're all praying in the upper room. I've been to that part of the old city in Jerusalem. Uh, not the original building, but they have a, now an upper room building that, that you go in. And it's amazing. We had, a, I think, a couple of people in the group we were in that got filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And they got baptized in the River Jordan. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But anyway, so... Uh, 
So they're all praying in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit enters into the world. And remember, there was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. There was a strong wind that blew through, a rushing, mighty wind. I think a roaring wind because people out in the streets heard this happen. I want you to see that when the Holy Spirit came, he didn't come into a corner on a back alley. This was on Main Street, Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit comes in with a wind. You know, Adam, when he was created, the Bible said God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, right? So God, he was God breathed. Now, God said the day that you sin, you will surely die. Now, Adam didn't lose his human breath whenever they partook of the fruit. But he did lose, I believe, the breath of Almighty God was gone. So what was that when? I believe it was the breath of God coming back. The life of God came into them. And there was a glory of God. It said they saw tongues like fire. Or, or they, I believe it was the light of God entered the room. So they saw something. They felt something. And then they began to speak in these languages. And there was a lot of confusion. Because a lot of people heard these people speaking in their own dialect. This was the Feast of Pentecost. So there were people in Jerusalem from all around the country, even different countries. There were Arabs. There were Parthenians. There were Greeks, all sorts of people. And they heard, many of them heard their language spoken. Some of them, I believe, were speaking in the tongues of angels. But there was this great confusion. And people are going, what's going on? And a lot of times when this is preached on, we emphasize the tongues, which is great. Still happens today. We emphasize the glory and the wind. But I want to emphasize this this morning. Who is this for? Who are the people? What was the people group that this was for? Acts 2.14. Because Peter gets anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he comes up to give definition as to what's going on. I believe at that moment he got a revelation from God, and he preached out of the book of Joel. And here's what it said. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Listen, I never get drunk at nine in the morning. Do you? No, don't get drunk. That's not, that's not what that means. But he's just saying they're not drunk. You don't do that. Even people that drink don't do that, right? He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. He took his text from Joel. In the last days, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all people, everybody say all people. all people. And here's these people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now I believe he begins his message here. And what's he emphasizing? Not just the tongues and the glory and all that's great, but he's emphasizing who it's for. And it's for people groups. It's for young men, it's for old men, it's for uh, servants, that's a servant spirit, men and women, it's for women too, alike, but it's also for, and he begins the message with this, sons and daughters. What's he saying? This is for every age group living on the earth. Old people, you know, God wants to pour his spirit out on old people. And in the church, we need all three age groups. We need old people. I'm standing here for the old people this morning. I'm an older dude. I used to be young. I remember those days. But one day I woke up and I said, wait a minute, I'm one of the oldest guys in the room now. And so here's what's going to happen. You can make fun of me, but it's going to happen to you too. 
We all get old. But God wants to use old people. And here's one of the reasons we need old people in church. Because old people are smart. Right, Bob? We've been around a while. We know some things, right? And, and, you know, we we can bring wisdom to the table. Also, older people bring more money than young people, (laughs) generally. Because, you know, young people are raising kids and spending money, and older people, well, we can bring some money. (laughs) But then we need young people. Because young people have a strength and and a, a connection with the culture of the time. We need young people. You know, Church is done differently with a little bit with every generation. And sometimes old people get stuck with, that ain't the way we did it. And that's not the songs that we sung. And we need to bring back the anointed songs. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Listen, culture changes. When I came in, we changed the music. I was a worship leader at one time at Church on the Move in Tulsa. I did that for 15 years. And I remember we got controversy or, or controversial remarks and people said, you guys, you're just too rock and roll and your music's too loud. And that sounds funny now because I'm an old dude now. I think it happens probably every generation, probably in the 20s. They probably criticize the next generation, right? And, but we need young people. Young people lead. We need young people to lead in this time. You know, I watch the young guys in our church on the leadership staff, and they got an edge about them. And I like to watch them, and I like to be a part of that, and I like to study the way they think. And I want to connect with them. I don't want to get old and irrelevant, right? I want to help, but I also want to listen. So we need old people. We need young people. But look at the first group he mentions, your sons and your daughters. This is talking about the kids. There's three different age groups in every church if it's healthy. Older people, young people, and the kids. Peter begins his message. He concludes it in Acts 2.39 after he's preached this great message. It's a pretty good message, too, because 3,000 people came up in the altar call. And the church in one day is now running 3,120 people. Pretty cool. But he concludes with this message. For this promise, the promise of what? The promise of the power of the Holy Spirit, of changed life, of affecting the world with the gospel is to you and to your children. Everybody say children. Children. So kids are a big part of this. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So kids are a huge part of the vision of New Song Church. Just like you see a vision statement here. Help people know God. Go back in our children's, children's wing. We have a vision statement on the wall. It's a little different. It's have fun and know God. Because we understand we want kids to know God. And we believe that they can. I'm going to talk about that this morning. But we know unless they're having fun, they're probably not learning. So we got to do things a little bit differently to get into their age group. Because if kids aren't having fun, they, they're not learning. But yet they can really know God. And we believe in our church from our pastor that Children are a big part of our vision. He says this all the time. Maybe you've heard him say it. We lead with kids. We believe one of the reasons God's blessed us, and we're a blessed church. You know, 2020 has been different. The year of COVID, right? And craziness, and wow, and oh my goodness, and what's going to happen? Well, it's going to be good for the church, right? And in the middle of all the chaos, I believe the church is going to rise up like never before. Amen. That's a whole different message. But... Uh, we lead with kids. That means we, we consider kids in all that we do. Uh, when you think about it, you, you just check out the building. In our, uh, in our auditorium here, you see how much room we have. Do you know we have exact, exactly the same amount of footage in our kids' department? 
We have big-time classroom facilities for kids. We believe in that. Kids' ministry at New Song is not just child care, although we do want our kids to be secure. That's why we have security. You have to check your kids in. We've got a cop that stands at the door. We watch the doors. We watch our kids. If you want to work in our kids' department, we have qualifications you have to, uh, you have to meet. Uh, you have to do an FBI background check to work with our kids. We believe in security, uh, but it's even more than that. But our numbers define the priority we have with our kids. You guys put that graphic up uh, because this gives you the average percentage of kids uh, in the average church. And this is weekly attendance. And uh, this is your typical church. About 21% of the population of the typical church in America, 21% are lower 21, well, you can see the numbers over here. 32% is really high. That's a top 10. And then low numbers are 16%. But the typical church is like four to one on kids. Uh, here, here are the numbers that we had in a big weekend back in October. We had 296 people in both our services at New Song Church. And that day, we also had 235 kids under the age of 12. And that's pretty typical. Or we had 45% of our congregation is under the age of 12. That is more than double the average. And on top of all that, you look around the, the room, well, there's probably 50 to 60 women that are pregnant. But <laughs> notice that? So many women have the little bump right now. We're all having babies. And it's only just begun. We're going to go into the spring and our church is going to grow no matter if you come or not. We're going <laughs> to <gonna> grow. <laughs> No, not, but we have a bunch of little babies coming. And we believe in kids. The church started with a powerful statement about the importance of kids. You, you got it? Number two, Jesus has a vision for kids' ministry. Jesus does. How many know we're carrying out his vision? We're corresponding to what Jesus wants to do, right? Jesus had a lot to say about children in the Bible. I think sometimes we kind of read over that and think, well, Jesus thought kids were cute and sweet, but he made some strong statements about kids. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple. Matthew chapter 15, verse 6, he made this statement. It is better that you put a millstone around your neck and jump in the sea than to offend a little child. Now, I've been in Israel, and one day we were at the Sea of Galilee, and we were at the uh, uh, synagogue, the ruins of the synagogue where Jesus taught isn't that amazing? Jesus was there. And right in that vicinity was Peter's mother-in-law's house where Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. But we're walking along there, and, and there was on a, on a big rock wall, there was this huge stone, round stone, huge, like went three-quarters of the way up that wall right there, right? It was round, had a hole in the middle of it, and we're walking by it. And I asked uh, the guy, the tour guide, I said, what is that? What, what, what is that right there? He said, that's a millstone. Jewish age. That's a millstone. This is what Jesus was speaking of whenever he talked about a millstone. And I looked at that and I thought, you tie that around your neck and you jump in the water, you ain't coming up. <laughs> and what Jesus is saying is you'd be better off dead than if you offend a little child to take them away from Jesus and his touch in their life. It's pretty powerful. He also said this, Matthew 18, 4. Remember the story how Jesus' disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest? Isn't that funny? I mean, they're sitting around and, you know, one of them says, you know, I believe, I know Jesus is going to leave, and I believe I'm gonna, going to inherit his anointing. I believe I'm the one. I'm going to get it. Yep, it's going to be me. 
No, 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 said, said another one. Uh, no, no, it's going to be me because, you know, my anointing is a lot more powerful than yours. And they're arguing about who is going to be the greatest. And Jesus is not there, but then he walks into the midst of them. And by the word of knowledge, he knows what they've been talking about because Jesus knows stuff, right? So Jesus says, I, guys, uh, what, what were you talking about before I came in? And they kind of probably were embarrassed. And, and, uh, and Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. I mean, if you have greatness in your heart, I want to do something. Do you know God doesn't rebuke you for that? He wants us to fulfill our, our purpose. And, and there are giftings in all of us. And God wants you to fulfill that thing he put in you. That's his heart for you, right? So he doesn't rebuke you for wanting greatness. But here's the way you do it. He went and picked up a little child and set him in the midst. and says, you want to be great? Then you have the attitude of a child. That's what Jesus taught but look in Mark chapter 10. I want to deal with, with one of the big ones. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And uh, I preached on this literally hundreds of times, all right? But I'm going to preach on it again today because it's so powerful. It says in Mark 10, 13, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus. Everybody say brought. brought. Everybody say brought. I'm going to come back to that. But they brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. Everybody say touch. touch. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God to belong, belongs to those who are like these children. So a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, Jesus touches children. Amen. Think about it. Jesus, and I can't imagine what this looked like, but I bet there was a long line of parents that have brought their children to Jesus, right? Because I'm sure some of these kids are sick and they need physical healing. And any mama that has a sick baby, if she hears about somebody can heal my baby, she's going to get in that line no matter how long it is, right? So I'm sure there were sick kids there. There were people that just saw Jesus and they thought, I want my kids to be impacted by Jesus. Jesus is special. There's something about him. I want him to lay his hands on my child. So there's just got to be this big line. But Jesus' disciples see this happening and they begin to rebuke these parents. And these people bring in their kids, and they said, hey, guys, hey, we got to disperse this line. Listen, no, you, pl please leave. See, Jesus does not have time for kids. He's got a busy schedule. Tonight, he's going to be doing a healing rally on the Sea of Galilee. In the morning, he's going to be teaching in, in, uh, in one of the synagogues. Jesus does not have time for kids, and Jesus watches his disciples. This is, this is not the average person. This is one of his disciples who he's preached to about kids, but they weren't getting it. Because sometimes when you talk about kids, people don't get it because they're little kids, right? And said that he got angry with his disciples. King James says he was much displeased. Let me tell you what that means. He got ticked off when his disciples didn't get the importance of kids. And then he said, I want you to bring these kids to me. For this is what the kingdom of God's all about. He said it again. Kids are what the kingdom of God is all about. So first thing I want you to know about this, Jesus touches little children. He wants to get into their lives when they're little. I read a stat one time that stayed with me. Do you know 86% of people that 
get saved and go on to serve God, do so because they had some kind of encounter with Jesus before the age of 15. 86, big number, right, percent. From the ages of 15 to 30, if you've never heard about Jesus, but then you, you know, you meet him, you get saved between 15 to 30, you have a 10% chance that's going to happen after 15. After 30, the numbers drop to 4%. Jesus wants to touch people when they're little. Why? That's a formative time of their life. That's when their brain is maximized. That's whenever they're learning. And, and little kids learn so much, right? When they're little from the time, you know, think about a little baby. They learn a language. They learn to walk, all the motor skills, the things they're learning. That's the best time for them to meet Jesus, for him to touch their lives. But number two, notice Jesus ministered to the children who were brought. Everybody say brought. They were brought to him. Jesus loves kids, but he just didn't go and knock on doors and say, hey, can I have your kids? Be about 45 minutes. I'm going to preach to them and minister to them. And they gather up a bunch of kids. No, no, no. He honored parental authority. He honored the authority of the parents because this is how God's designed kids to learn through their moms and dads or their single mom. Are there so many grandparents raising their kids during this time? Do you know God will honor, will honor that? And uh, so we want to bring them to Jesus. He ministers to children who are brought. There are two aspects of bringers I want to talk about this morning as we close. Number one, the church brings them. As a church, we are committed to bringing children to Jesus. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you about some of the things we do in our kids' ministry. We teach kids the Word of God seriously. We work to make our messages clear and appropriate for their age. And we don't wait until they're six years old to begin to teach them about Jesus. We start doing that in the nursery. Here's how we do that. We have a lesson. We, we pass out a Bible to all the little babies. We, we give them their Bible, and then we open it up to a place where we have a little stick-on picture of Jesus. And we give them the Bible, and we say, oh, this is God's Word this is the Bible. We love God's Word. And we'll hug the Bible and they'll hug their Bible. And then we'll say, did you know Jesus is in the Bible? And we'll turn to the page. See, There's Jesus in the Bible. And that's our lesson. And we teach it every week. Every week. Same lesson. Jesus is in the Bible and we love our Bible. That's where it begins. It begins in the nursery. It's real ministry. But we're telling them uh, uh, about Jesus. We're bringing them. Uh, the younger they are, the more simple we package it. And we have, um, let me talk about two people right now who lead our kids' ministry who are awesome. Kent Warren and Joy yeah. Baker. Clap your hands for them. They are awesome. You know, Pastor Josh says this sometimes about David Terry. He said, David Terry, I'd take you. I wouldn't take any other worship leader above you. As I'm the, uh, the uh, family pastor in the church, I would not take any Two people over, Kent Warren and Joy Barker. They are awesome in their heart for kids. And I wrote down some things they want you to know about the way we minister to kids. First, they want you to know that we try to get to know your kids on a personal level. We play games with them and connect with them. We use puppets and characters to get into the world. We give children the opportunity to receive Christ every week in our classes. We teach them the word, but as they get older, here's the way we do it. We do it by theme, and we give them one scripture. We teach by theme. About every month, we change our theme. One month, we, one month we may teach on healing. One month, we teach about uh, obeying your parents. Uh, but we have different things that we teach. We teach by theme. 
we're about to start. We're not doing this right now, but we're going to start giving parents a replay sheet of the lesson so you can go over with them what we just taught them that week. We pray with your kids at the end of, of every service. And the kids have a lot of things to pray over. They line up to pray. And they wanted, us, they wanted you to know that one of the major things they want to pray about is mom and dad. They pray for their parents. Isn't that awesome? In Threshold, which is our uh, fourth through sixth grade classroom, after the lesson, we break into small groups, right? Is that right, Eman? Eman does a great job teaching in there. Uh, we ask them, yeah. We ask them questions based upon the Bible story we taught them. Uh, many of the kids don't talk a lot before the service, right? But after they have heard the message, they really open up in small groups and just have questions all the time. And that's one of the ways they learn. We have uh, heard so many stories about kids that enjoyed our services so much, they forced their parents to come back to this church. And we love to hear that story. So this is all facilitated by faithful volunteers who show up every weekend and put their heart into our children's ministry. Let's give all our volunteers and people that help a good hand. Appreciate you guys. Praise God. So the church is a bringer. We bring them to God. But listen, we're not the primary bringer. It's not our job to teach your kids. Parents and authorities in their life are the primary bringers. Here's our role. We want to partner with you to train your kids about God. Because, see, we only get them about an hour, hour and a half a week. But they're with you all the time. And I want to say this about that. You need to let your kids see you serving God. I'm going to say it again. You, as parents, as authorities in your kid's life, as grandparents, you need to let your kids see you serve God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. You know, the best way kids learn is by imitating what they see done. They imitate noises, right? And little boys can make blow-up noises better than anybody. And they, they imitate. Where do they learn stuff? They, they're imitate. They're mocking what they've learned. And so you need to be somebody that's imitatable. In other words, you need to set an example before your kids. You know, I didn't do everything just right with my kids. I look back and I see, man, I could have done so, so many things better. But I do think one thing I did do is I let my kids see me serve God. It's like, you know, I make every morning I get up and I make coffee. And I've done that for years. And uh, when I do that, I have a confession list that I go through. Still do it today. I get up and I'm making coffee and I speak the word of God. I have scriptures that I declare over me and my family and my kids and my grandkids. And I used to do that when I was just making brewed coffee. Now I make espresso, which is much better. My coffee making has broadened, but I, <laughs> but I still say the word of God. And I really, when I was doing that, I didn't think about my kids watching it, but they grew up in a house that hurt their daddy speaking the word. That's a big deal. My kids knew, this may sound kind of weird, but I, for years, have gotten in the bathtub, and I like to get into a hot tub of water, jacuzzi if it's possible, and read the Bible. That may sound weird to you, but I do that. And I get into, uh, I seem to get in a flow when I do that. And you know, I got a scripture for you. Jesus said, now you are clean through the word I've spoken unto you. So when I get, start getting clean, I hear from God. But you know, my kids... My, we laugh about it. We laughed about it then, still do now. But my kids knew I was in the bathtub, and I was staying there an hour or so. But they knew I was reading the Bible. 
And they knew that dad's connecting with God. And I just didn't do that to show off. I did it because that was what I did. And that's what parents do. You're a bringer. You know, your kids have potential spiritually that you need to tap into. I remember when our kids were little, and this was back in the 80s, and uh, we, Trudy and I went Christmas shopping one holiday season. I think it was on Saturday. We're at Christmas shopping, and we wanted to buy our parents. We, we talked about this. We wanted to buy them a, a really cool gift that year. We wanted to buy them, this will really date me, a VCR for each one of our families. <laughs> Anybody remember VCRs? And VHS. And anyway, and, and VCRs are like over 500 bucks back then. I mean, a lot of money. So we're, I remember we talked about it and said, yeah, that's a lot of money. You know, it's, you know, it's Christmas, but we'd like to really bless them. And I remember we pulled up in the driveway, and we were discussing could we do that. And then... We went in the house, and for some reason, that evening, we would do this from time to time. We didn't do it every day, but we had a family prayer time. And so we get together from time to time, and Brooke was probably, my daughter was probably 11, which would have meant Josh was about seven. And so we're praying, and we're singing. We put a cassette tape on, and we'd sing. Anybody remember cassette tapes? (laughs) And we'd sing, and we're worshiping God, and then we begin to pray. And we're sitting there that day, and my daughter, Brooke, who's 11, she says, Dad, little quiet voice. She said, Dad, I think I have a word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. And we said, wasn't that cute? She's got a word from God. She says, I believe God told me something, Dad. She said, I believe that the Lord told me that you and Mom are concerned about Christmas presents. And she said, but you don't have to be concerned because I heard God say that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, all right. So about, I don't know, a week later, I go to the mailbox. I went that day myself. And I'm going through the mail, and there was a letter from a ministry. And I opened it up, and there was a check in it for $1,000. And I had done a missions conference. I think it was in Ohio. And I had gone just to bless this group of missionaries. And I think I taught about kids' ministry to them. And, you know, I just did it to, I I don't even remember the circumstances. I think they flew me in. And and I didn't expect anything. And they sent me a $1,000 check, which was just what we needed to buy the VCRs, but my little daughter, 11, had a word from God. Kids can receive. You know, as a grandpa now, I talk to my grandkids about God. I talk to them about the things I know. When we put them to bed at night, they're at my house, we pray. We had a big discussion about the end times the other night, and my granddaughter, Bo, told me she thought she knew who the Antichrist was. We'll see if she's right, but anyway... And they're all a little different. You know, they're all, I, Sonny's the little one. If you know Sonny, Sonny's a worshiper. Sonny will be seven in about a week. Can't believe she's that big. But Sonny wants me to sing with her. So every time Sonny spends the night, we have to sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. She just lifts her little hands and worships. I'm sorry. It's a big deal. See, what I want you to see today as parents and grandparents, we are bringers. Yes. And your faith needs to be put deliberately into your children. Yeah. And as I say this, there may be some older people here today, and your kids, you didn't do this, and you're feeling bad about it. Uh, maybe some of you have grown kids that are away from God, and it grieves you today. And I'm not trying to put a trip on you. I'm trying to give you hope, because it is never too late. The connection of family is so strong. 
so strong. And I want to close with this story, true story. You remember Willie George who was here about two months ago. Years ago, he, he had been preaching in Missouri, preached a Sunday morning there. I think it was St. Louis. He lived in Tulsa and he was driving back. And uh, he came through Joplin and he was thinking about, he, he had some relatives that lived in Carthage. That's where his grandmother's family on his, I believe his mother's side had grown up. <clears throat> and so he's, uh, he's driving through and he said, man, I'm just driving along thinking about that. And he said, all of a sudden I began to hear my grandmother's voice. His grandmother was gone. She's dead, gone to heaven. But he said, I began to hear her voice and I heard her praying and I heard her praying, oh God, I pray that all my children may be saved. He said, I heard that and I picked up on that. And he said, I remembered that I still had a, had a great uncle that lived in Carthage and he was in his 80s and he said, I hadn't seen him in years, but he said, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to go find him. So he drove off the road and he went north and came into Carthage and he didn't even know where he lived. He, he didn't know his phone number. So he pulled over to a phone booth. Anybody remember phone booths? And he got in the phone book. And he looked up an address. And so he found this address. And he goes to the house. And he walks up to the door. And he knocks on the door. And nobody came. So he thought, well, hmm, maybe they're in the back of the house. So he goes around the back. And he knocks on the door. And nobody came. And he said, you know, I thought, well, nobody's home. And he said, I thought about leaving. But he said, I thought, no, wait a minute. God... I believe he told me to come. So he goes back to the front door, knocks again, and an old lady comes and opens the door. It was his great aunt. And he introduces himself. He said, hey, I'm, I'm Willie. I'm, you know, I'm your nephew, and I just want to come by and see you guys. So she said, yeah, yes, come in. So they came in, and his, his great uncle walked out in his 80s. And they sat down and visited. And then Willie said, I, I, said, I, I need to tell you something. He said, I was driving down the road. And I heard your grandmother's voice. He says, you may think that's weird, but I heard, I mean, your mother. And I heard your mother praying, oh God, I pray that all my children might be saved. And he said, as I'm saying those words, tears welled up in that old man's eyes. And he dropped his head, shook it, and said, I've heard my mama pray that. I've heard her pray that. So Willie looked him in the eye and asked him, he said, are you right with God? He says, nope. He said, you want to be? He said, yes, I do. He prayed with that old man today, that day and got him saved in his 80s because his mother's prayers lived on. Your faith for your kids never dies. Don't let go of them. They're coming home. I got a little brother that tried to kill himself. 40 years he had to have a double lung transplant about two years ago he came through that miraculously a double lung transplant he's living today serving God after all that happened because my mom's prayers would not give up so here's how I want to end this this morning I want to pray for your family in fact let's all stand to our feet would you do that I believe the Holy Spirit was poured out with great power in the beginning, but I believe there's going to be another great outpouring to end this. I do not believe the church is going to end sad and COVID-ridden and down. No. 
We're rising up like never before to, to be the light of the world. We are the light and salt that this world needs. And we need to begin to rise up in our faith. And let's pray for our families today. Let's make sure that we are applying faith to our family. So follow me in this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I pray for my family. I thank you for my family. There's people in my family that need to know Jesus. Wherever they are right now, I pray for them. I pray they have a visitation with the presence of God. I pray the word of God would come to them through somebody. Send workers into the field. And I declare in the name of Jesus, my family will be saved. Will be saved in Jesus' name. I believe it. Now lift your hands and thank God for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you for it. We praise you for it. Now, everybody, close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. You may be here say, Pastor Ken, I, you know, I don't know if I'm right with God this morning. I mean, I'm looking at you. You look great, but I can't tell by the way you look. Because God doesn't look on the outside of man. God looks on the heart. And you know if your heart's right with God today. You know if you're away from Him. You know if you've never been saved, but you can get right with God in this moment before we leave this building. So I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. And if you pray this, believe it in your heart, you can be saved today. Everybody say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I receive Jesus. I believe He died for me, rose from the dead, lives now. And I declare Jesus is my Lord. I receive you, Jesus. I receive your power and your grace. And I am now born again in Jesus' name. Now clap your hands if you believe that. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.